and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And I am Lucas Stock. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So this has been a bit of a crazy week. We, 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 we released a bonus episode, which was our Instagram live. We had our two normal episodes and that was on top of everything. I mean, I don't know about you, my, my work week was super busy, super chaotic. I believe yours was also pretty crazy with work and school. Um, so we thought we'd have uh, a fun conversation about Bible translations. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't yeah, sound thought, too happy about it. No, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to maybe give just a little bit of uh, a backstory, Lucas and I are not Bible translators. We are not um, experts. We have not translated the Bible outside of maybe some of the work that we did in Hebrew class where we'd take just little segments of scripture. Um, so this isn't some sort of uh, theory or you know, here's what Bible translation is as much as our experience with different Bible translations. So which ones we like, maybe which ones we dislike, uh, kind of talking about, uh, readability versus, um, you know, the, the accuracy and, uh, stuff like that. So it's, it's more of an introduction as well as here, here are some Bible translations that we like, uh, and hopefully it'll be uh, informational for you. Maybe you're looking for a new translation. Maybe you want a new edition of a, a certain translation of a Bible. I'm not really sure. But Lucas, do you want to get anything off your chest on this introduction? No, not really. Um, recently, so I, I've had my main Bible that I've used for personal devotion, reading in church, you know, bringing it to class if if the class, you know, reads the Bible or whatever, um, for almost exactly five years, I got it for my birthday in 2015. And, um, it's just been a long time that I've used the same Bible, like not just the same translation, but the same Bible for, um, my, my daily use. And because of that, I, I kind of, in the last couple of weeks, I've had the idea to, shake things up and start using a different translation just to kind of, you know, if I, if I'm reading the same translation every day for years and years and years, you know, most days or, you know, um, but if, if I'm reading the same verses in the same translation over and over again, I feel like after five years of doing that, you know, I'm already familiar with what the Bible says. And then on top of that, I'm super familiar with it in one translation. I might, it might be easier to gloss over things or read quickly or be like, oh, I know what this is saying. I remember this and then miss things versus if you're taking your time and reading more slowly, you're going to notice things. And I feel like changing things up into a translation that I haven't used before or haven't used in a long time, I thought was maybe a good way to help slow my reading down to where I need to think about things or I'm not seeing what I'm necessarily expecting to see. Um, based on my familiarity with it. So I was kind of trying to figure out what I would want to pick up, like what translation I want to pick up. And I, I settled on the classic King James, not the, not the new King James. None of that. Authorized, the, the original. Authorized version. So um, a good friend of mine, shout out Jared, was very kind to give me this really nice Cambridge edition of the, of the King James, uh, that, that he had, that he's not using. And, um, so for the last few days I've been, I've been using it in my, in my devotions and my readings. And, um, it's, it's really cool. It's just really cool to, to change up the trans. Like if you're someone who uses, you know, listens to the Bible, reads the Bible, um, you know, goes to church and hears the Bible read or preached from daily, weekly, regularly, in the word, which is we, we, we should be for our own benefit and health and growth. Um, it, it's really interesting and I think really cool and kind of in a way revitalizing to just switch things up. Like I said, just just read it again, read what the stories and the and the passages that you know in a way that might not be the way you know them. And it just helps, I think, to um, be more present with the text instead of just kind of 
you know, speeding through it, which is just a natural thing to do. If it's something you're familiar with, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't, you know, it, it just happens. Um, so I, I, I'm really excited to start using, you know, to kind of get familiar with the King James. Cause obviously I'm familiar with the King James, like as a, as an artifact of history, you know, the, the way it's shaped the English language, the impact it had on English Bible reading, like, obviously I'm, I'm aware of all of that, but I've never, and, and I've read, you know, verses from the King James, but I've never like used it as my Bible for a time before. So I'm excited to sort of get familiar with it in a way that I haven't before. Um, and that was sort of what inspired me to kind of want to do something about Bible translations, you know, just, right. Mm -hmm. I, when I originally suggest, I just said something about Bible translations, you know, we'll, we'll figure <laughs> out what we want to say later, but um, right. And so I'm, I'm just kind of like, it, it's had me thinking about my own, like, this is, this is now the fourth, like, transition to a new translation that I've mm. done in my life, in terms of my, you know, daily, or at least regular personal reading, I've, I've consulted many, many, many translations when I'm like writing papers, or, you know, I read something and, you know, I have a question. So I go to a bunch of different translations. Like, I it's a good way. It's a good study tool to, to, to bring in different translations to compare and contrast. Um, because ultimately, a translation is just a translation. So the more translations you can compare from, as long as they're, you know, reputable, solid, <laughs> scholarly works, and not just some guy in his basement who took a year of Greek, like if I was trying to translate anything, um, <laughs> like as long as it's like a real translation, then then the more you can compare, I, I, I think, you know, most of the time, you're not going to find anything super, you know, confusing or different. But it's just nice to have sort of a, a full picture of different ways to express the same idea, or the same term, or the same sentence in English coming from Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic or whatever. So um I've consulted many translations, but in terms of my own personal use, you know, switching over to this, to this King James is going to be like the fourth sort of, you know, the fourth stop that I've made in my own personal devotional life. So um, I want to talk more about that as kind of a way to bring up the different translations that I know really well and to kind of talk about what I like and maybe don't like as much or prefer or pros and cons. But I do want to ask you like in terms of your, personal use you know going back to whenever you first started reading the bible like do you have like a similar kind of thing like have you kind of stuck with the same translation have you bounced around or do you, you like do you not even have a a, a you know is, is every day a different translation just you know whatever <laughs> strikes your fan or you're like how, how do you kind of if you you're like looking back over your years of study and devotion and reading how would you say you kind of like settle on a translation yeah well, so I don't, I don't remember exactly. I know for a brief time in my life, I had a copy of an NLT. It was actually like encased within this little tin and it had like a little metal. Um, I don't know. I've seen them. They float around youth groups and churches like that. It, it must've been some like early 2000s fad that, that rolled through. And I don't know that I ever really like read it other than maybe bringing it to Sunday mornings and like following along. Um, but my first Bible, I, I, I distinctly remember uh, in high school, I didn't have my own Bible apart from this little metal one. And so I, I went out to a local bookstore. Um, it was Book World or something like that, like blast to the past if you've ever been to a Book World. But uh, I went to their Bible section and I, I found what I thought was like the most recognizable Bible translation. And it was an NIV. It was just one of those thin line. It was Navy. Um, so for like two or three years, that was my, my main Bible until I was a senior. Um, was I a senior? I think I was a senior in high school and I was gifted a, uh, an ESV study Bible. So that was my first real exposure to the ESV. I also, because, because the study Bible was so big and you couldn't just like throw it in your backpack, I went out and bought uh, an ESV thin line uh, which which I had for a long time. I mean, you were talking about the the translation that you are. Is it the NASB that you've used for five years or whatever? Yeah, yeah, the NASB. Yeah. So your NASB. I had an ESB that was very similar. This is this is the one I'm showing you. No one else can see, but this is the replacement to the one I used to have for my ESV thin line. 
the other one was falling apart. It was ratty. Like it was the, the Bible I carried around moody and it was just time to get a new one. So I actually got this at the gospel coalition a few years ago. They had them on pretty good discount. Um, so yeah, for, for a long time, uh, the ESV became like my translation of choice and a big part of that actually, uh, and I know I said we wouldn't really get into translation philosophy or anything, but I think it, it's at least helpful to mention that there's this blend, there's this, uh, this, this chart or this graph, which maybe we'll post to our social media so people can see what we're referencing. Uh, but it, it, on one going up and down on one side of the scale, there's the readability of a Bible translation, how readable. So think NLT versus New King James or King James or whatever. Uh, the King James version being more old English is going to be more difficult than a, a very modern translation like the NLT. So there's that scale on the, on one side. And then on the bottom of the graph is literal. How literal is the translation to the original languages? So again, you have dynamic, like the NLT is very dynamic. It's, it's very um, colorful language, very modern, not necessarily the most formal, literal translation. And, and the thing is, is we're never going to have a perfect translation. Language just does not work that way. You're never going to get a direct one-to-one. -one. And if you did, it would be very stilted, very difficult to read. Um, and so modern English yeah. translations. Well, I mean, have more to... than that, I, I don't think it, I don't think you can read it. I think it, it right. would be meaningless because languages don't work. Like you said, languages don't work that way. You know, in, in Spanish, you don't say I am hungry, you know, subject. You say I have to, hunger to be verb. Uh, and then adjective, I am hungry. You say, I have hunger or I, I, I have hungry, you know, like it, it, you wouldn't, if you're translating a, a Spanish text into English or an English text into Spanish, you wouldn't break the idiomatic, you know, norms of the language in order to right. make it quote unquote, more literal, like literal and like how literal something is, isn't better or worse. It's a, it's, this is a, you know, like we're saying, we're not going to get into the details beyond what we are capable of saying. Cause we're just not, this isn't our, our areas of expertise. Um, but it's not about better or worse. It's just about a style of taking Koine Greek or biblical Hebrew and translating it into everyday English or right. is it everyday English? You know, there's lots of choices you make when you're translating and that's kind of what this graph is getting at is just like a one way of very simply kind of visualizing those choices and the resulting translation, how it kind of compares to other translations that make different choices. So it's a, it's a neat little graph for sure. Right. Yeah. And so for, for me, what, what initially drew me to the ESV is their commitment to a, a more literal reading of scripture. Um, and again, we're, we're, as Lucas said, we're not talking about a, a direct one-to-one, -one, but as as possible as it can be to be literal is what the ESV sort of strives to do. Um, other translations function with a different purpose and goal. Um, but for me, having grown up with NLT and NIV, I was drawn to a more literal, like trying to understand what is actually trying to be communicated. Um and it, it was, I don't know, it was one that I used for a long time. And, and, and relatively recently, uh, the CSB translation came out. So the, the Christian Standard Bible that is published by Holman, um, I think it was like 2016 or 2017. We were at Moody. I got a copy at um, uh, Lifeway at the bookstore on campus that used to be there. And I, I read it a little bit. I, I, I used it like for, for, for papers from time to time, but like I never dove into it that deeply until I became a youth pastor. Once I was preparing sermons and preaching and teaching Sunday school, I was, I don't know, I was confronted a couple of times with just like difficult texts. They're depending on the translation. Um, sometimes the translation can add a layer of difficulty that other translations do really well. And that's one of the things that I liked that you mentioned how reading different translations can actually help you understand a passage. Uh, because if you're somebody who only reads the King James or you only read the ESV or you only read whatever translation you only read, you do become so familiar with it um, that sometimes you attribute a meaning based on what is being said in English that might not be the actual intended meaning of the text. And for the life of me, I can't think of an example off the top of my head necessarily 
Um, but I'm sure we know this to be true. Like depending on how you word something, it changes what is being communicated. Um, I'll just throw out a couple examples here of like how the translation is different. So like uh, John 1.18 in the CSB says, no one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side has revealed him. Whereas the ESV says, no one has ever seen God, the only God uh, who is at the father's side, who has made him known. So the, the, one of the key differences here is the ESV has no mention of the one and only son. Um, the CSB says one and only son. The ESV says the only God. So there's going to even be uh, a difference in understanding just based on that one verse, right? Because one, one says son and go ahead. Sorry, I, I just, it does. I don't know if the CSB does that. So like my NASB does what I'm like, does what I'm about to ask about. So that's why I ask. Um, are there like in the CSB, are there like italicized words in the text? Do you know what I'm saying? Like some words that are in italics to show that they aren't in the the Greek, but they're added to be add clarity in English. Because again, like right. just, that's just how they work. And that's, I think, I don't know if they italicize it. They'll add footnotes or they'll have notes. Maybe it depends on which version of a translation you use. The ones that I have don't. Um, but there is a note that says uh, that John's thought behind 118 is of the son of God, even though son is not in the text. So that's that's the thing is if we're taking something literally, if we're just translating it at face value for what we see, it's not as clear as what is maybe trying to be communicated. Because if John is talking about the son, but is just referring to him as God, it might not be clear to a reader that the son should be the one we're thinking about as opposed to God the father. Um, and that's an interesting point too to to maybe make another comment where that goes back to just kind of what I was saying about the benefits or or at least potential benefits of of having more than one translation at your disposal. And I mean, even just saying that, it, that's such a huge luxury and privilege in the world and in history that we're even having this conversation that there are multiple ways for us to read the text of Holy Scripture in our own language, like. The fact that most people in our society can read, the fact that most books in our society are affordable uh, and accessible to a lot of people, and the fact that there are so many English translations is like such a historical anomaly that we shouldn't take for granted, but it is the situation we live in in this society. So, um, but like, it's interesting, like the CSB is telling, is telling you that he's talking about the sun. They the translators couldn't ask John, you know, he's dead. Well, he's alive, but he's not here on earth. <laughs> um, right. So it, it's an interesting example. Like it's a good illustration of the, the fact that anytime you're translating something from one language to another, I mentioned all those decisions you have to make about how formal you want to be, how literal you want to be or not. What, how are you going to express, once you know what the Greek text is saying, how are you going to express it in English? You know, there are all these decisions you have to make. And I, I don't know if this is a quote that's attributed to an individual person or just something that's kind of repeated, almost like a proverb, but like something I've heard is all translation is interpretation. Because when you're taking one language and taking the meaning and putting it into another language, you're making these interpretive choices of what this word means, what this grammar shows us, et cetera, et cetera. So it's interesting to think about, you know, John 118 is, is a good example. The CSB translators are making the decision that, that John is talking about the sun. And so they're putting that in to bring out that clarity to, to communicate that idea more clearly than just leaving it as God or he. Right. And I, I mean, they're probably right. I, this is, I'm not, I'm not judging this is good or bad. I'm just saying if you, like you read the ESV that doesn't mention the sun, um, that's a decision that they're, they're either not coming to the same conclusion as the CSB translators and saying that John's not talking about the sun or probably what I think is more likely is they're deciding rather than adding the word Christ or the sun in to make it more clear, we're going to just stick with what we see, which is God or he or, or whatever it is. I don't remember right, exactly. Right, and right, right. that's just a good, like a good illustration, like I'm, I was saying, of these are the kinds of decisions that happen that us as readers of the Bible, lay people who don't know Greek, haven't sat down and translated John 1, you know, we don't necessarily 
have the opportunity to or or the the reason to think about these decisions, but they are part of the the hard work that goes into producing these translations. And obviously, you're making decisions. You're not going to agree with every decision that everybody makes. People might make poor decisions or or there might be better options. And so it just goes back to like the benefit of casting a wide net um, when you when you're picking a translation or when you're when you come across a text and you're like, huh, I don't remember it saying the sun. And then you read it in a bunch of other translations and you're like, oh, these don't say the sun. Why is that? And then you pick up a commentary or you, you know, look into it, ask your pastor, and then you're able to kind of like that, that that's that's a layer of the text that you you wouldn't think about if you're just reading it in, you know, the NASB for the 10,000th time. Right. And it's right. just how you remember the verse. And, and I'm not trying to say any of these translations are, are bad or good or that you should pick this one or that one or every day you should read a different one. Like, I, I, it's just it's just a good example of kind of why I'm, I like having copies of multiple different translations available to me um, when these sorts of things come up. I just think it's it's helpful. Um, and right. I that and was a that, good example of it. Yeah. And in that vein, it's, it's funny. I've had I've had this disposition. I've had this thought before that, like, the more literal word for word translation is just inherently better because it's more literal. It's more accurate. And I don't know that that's always always true. Like, I, I still obviously still see the benefit in having something that as that is pretty literal because we're getting as close to what is exactly being communicated as a word for word translation can be from the original, you know, from John, from Paul, from whomever wrote, like we're getting, okay, these are the words that they used. Um, But as we're saying, sometimes the words that were used do not communicate the message that lies beneath those words. Um, And so for me, as, as I, as I wrestled with certain texts, as I tried to preach and to teach these things, I realized that the CSB does a really good job some at, at certain times communicating what is meant in a text that like a more literal translation doesn't do. Um, and again, it, it escapes me some, I mean, I preach through Hebrews, so maybe there's something found in Hebrews. If I think of something, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe drop it here. But um, I, I just distinctly remember as I switched from ESV to CSB, there was something about the comprehension especially in students that was just more tangible it was it was maybe just it uses less verbose and um flowery theological language that students are not yet exposed to like to 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 teach out of the esv to to sixth and seventh and eighth graders there are just going to be things that go way over their head it's overly verbose uh, but where the CSB does a good job of like flattening it out a little bit, not not taking away what it means, but just making it more plain, um, more readable for someone of that age group. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I've definitely been somebody who was a stickler in the past for like, no, you need to have something that's more literal. You need to, you, you know, you need to stick with one translation. And I don't even know where those like thoughts and ideas came from personally. Um, but as I exposed myself to new translations, as I exposed um, other people to new translations, I, I just began to recognize and appreciate just like you're, like we're saying, consulting different translations. And so for me, um, more recently, what I did, especially when I was preaching, I, I actually used the ESV personally for devotion. So I would read the, the ESV, um, I would prep in the ESV, but then when I preached and when I read in Sunday school or in church, um, I used the CSB which was even really helpful for me because I was able to use two different translations, sometimes understand a meaning. Um, sometimes a different translation made something more clear than another one. Uh, but then as I left ministry, uh, I sort of still retained the same practice of consulting both. So like on my nightstand, you'll find a CSB thin line and an ESV thin line. Uh, at my desk right here where you and I record, uh, I have another ESV thin line and I actually have my CSB Preacher's Bible. So when I when I was in ministry, I went out and bought this um, single column, wide margin, big text Preacher's Bible. So that way, when I was preaching, you know, it's instead, I mean, like, I'll show you, Lucas, like, you see how big the words are on, on this page uh, with the wide margins, the single columns. Uh, and then you if, you, if you go to like a, a thin line, 
you've got just like this tiny, tiny double column text. So as you're preaching, unless you're just going to like keep your finger somewhere the whole time, I I continually lost my place. So um, yeah, I I, almost anywhere you're going to find me, there's a different uh, set of Bibles, like in my backpack that I take to work every day, I have yet another ESV thin line uh, for a while. (laughs) And this is maybe speaking to just like my nature a little bit, but I like to have even just different versions of different translations. Um, I've somehow amassed a collection of four ESV thin lines, just these like double column, pretty, um, you know, pretty easy to carry around in your, in your hand and in your, uh, in your backpack. So I have four of those that I, that I sort of rotate through. I mentioned I have the preacher's Bible. I have a CSB thin line. I had the CSB, um, ancient faith study Bible, which the, uh, like, um, Brandon Smith and, uh, Trevin Wax and some other people worked on uh, that incorporates, you know, some more ancient voices into the study notes. I have an ESV study Bible. I have the Reformation study Bible in the ESV translation. So even for me, like I, I'll sort of like rotate through these different versions of translations that I like, because maybe the study notes offer different insights that I wouldn't be able to get elsewhere. Um, or maybe just depending on like how easy it is to, to lug around. Like I don't want to lug a study Bible around. So I have a couple different, um, thin line Bibles that I like to travel with. So that that's, that's my answer. Very long answer to to the question that you asked me about my own little history with, with Bible translations. Um, if, if someone was going to ask me like gun to my head, what's your favorite Bible translation? Like for a long time, I would have just simply said ESV. That would have been my, my knee jerk reaction. Uh, but right now my favorite Bible translation is the CSB. I am a a big fan. I really enjoy it and appreciate the the work that went into it. Um, the original HCSB, which is what this is based on, the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, they shortened it to just be Christian Standard Bible, uh, went through a pretty hefty revision, which is when this, like in 2017, when the CSB came out. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that they did in their translation philosophy. Um, one of them also has to do with gendered, like nouns. And uh, so for example, uh, Romans 2.29, in the CSB, it says, on the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart by the spirit, not the letter. That person's praise is not from people, but from God. Whereas the ESV says, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. The thing is, in the text, in the Greek, uh, Man is plural, meaning like speaking of mankind, not just a singular man. Um, so person, people is, is used for, um, you know, more more inclusiveness, but also getting to what is actually being communicated. Because when Paul says man, he's not just thinking of men and, you know, boys, but is speaking of, of humanity as a collective. So the, the CSB chooses to use language that's like people, persons, their um, they still use him and her and and stuff like that when necessary. But when it's speaking of the collective, they choose where appropriate to use a more collective translation. So yet again, that comes down to philosophy. It comes down to uh, trying to communicate as best as possible what the author had originally intended that particular thing to mean. So yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of the CSB right now. Yeah, the CSB. So it's funny, like, like I said, I... I talked about wanting to shake up my own translation, like my go-to for, for daily use and, and, and settled on the KJV. But my plan is actually to also pick up a CSB um, along, along with this, with this KJV, because um, KJV and CSB are both translations that I have, have consulted before, but up till now have not like spent time using for any extended period of time in terms of just, daily use reading that kind of thing um and i have heard so much about the csb uh especially recently but i mean i mean i remember back back hearing at like at moody hearing about the hcsb and thinking it was you know like reading a few verses here and there and think oh that's pretty cool and uh one of our wedding gifts was actually an hcsb like year I think it's called every day with Jesus Bible or something in the HCSB. And it was like, you read through the Bible in a year. Um, 
But what's kind of annoying about it was that it was um it was like formatted so so everything was out of order. It, it wasn't like like it was like you would you, you wouldn't have to flip back and forth to follow the plan. It was printed as a reading plan and it was like Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, right. New Testament, Gospel, like every day. So it it I mean like it was the Bible, it was the whole Bible, but it was just kind of chopped up. So it's, if you're not using it every day following the plan, it's not very useful to like pick up and try and read a, a section or whatever. Um, but, but then when, when, the, when they re- revised it and came out with the CSB, I, I just never really, I never got one. I just, people around me didn't, didn't like, 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 like when I say that, I mean, people around me, like you and, and friends at Moody, like had them. But like it wasn't used frequently in class or or in church or anything like that, so it just it just kind of like slipped like was never and I and I was good with my translate, you know, like it just wasn't I just never got around to it. But um, it's kind of another just like just translation I've I haven't used very much that I've heard good things about that that just a good way to you know kind of come to the text with maybe a little more fresh eyes and and that's kind of just the theme of this episode for me, I guess. Um, it one, is one thing I desire to do that. Yeah. Right. One thing I will add that I forgot to mention that I, I really like about the CSB is you mentioned like words being in italics when they're not actually in the Greek or the Hebrew that this version at least doesn't do that. But every CSB translation to my knowledge bolds when another part of scripture is being quoted. So that way it's, it's very easy to be clued into like, so like sometimes when Paul's talking he just suddenly starts using Old Testament scripture and you might not really think anything of it. Um, and maybe your translation even puts a little footnote, uh, but you might not notice that always on the surface. But as you're reading, when you come across like, oh, that's bold, that's bold, that's bold, that's bold. Like reading through Hebrews, um, it's just over and over, uh, you know, or, you know, sometimes a, an author might say, for it is written, or they'll use little indicators to say, like, we're quoting something. Um, but it's still cool to have that, um, especially when it's not clear and obvious that a, 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 pr- a prior scripture is being quoted. So I, I at least really was drawn to that when I first picked up a CSB, because I don't know, I think it's I think it's kind of nice to um, be greeted by that callback in a sense. I don't know. I just think it's yeah. kind of a unique and cool feature. Yeah, to point it out because it can't because the way people quoted things back in ancient times was not the way we did. So it's very right. just kind of interwoven. And yeah, the the NASB that I have does the same thing, but they use um, they use small caps instead of bold. But it, it's okay. the same thing. It's just like really helpful, and especially if you're doing kind of like like studying, it's it's helpful to 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 just you know take out any guesswork. <laughs> it's just like this is a quote <laughs> and you can kind of, you know, work from there. Um, yeah. For, for me, like when, the first, when I first started like reading the Bible for myself, it was in high school and I had an NIV study Bible. I don't remember if it was a gift or how it ended up in my hands, but that was what I would use. Um, and I think it was really good because it, because the NIV is definitely uh, readable. It, like it definitely it just, it's, it's, it makes sense in, the English that I, you know, speak and spoke, I guess, uh, in, in high school. And it was, it was, it was good. And it was, it was really cool to have the study notes. Um, obviously I, I, I would use them very differently now after five and a half years of formal theological higher education. Like I just have a much more equipped than I was in high school, which is a blessing, but, um, it was, I think it was really good to have access. Cause I just, I always had that mind of wanting to know things like wanting to have my questions answered. So being able as a high schooler, I'm reading the Bible in my bed one night, I have some answers to, Oh, I don't know what this means or some background, you know, like the, the study notes in a study Bible are typically just, just a really good resource. Like it's a double-edged sword for sure, but to just have it right in front of you on the page, um, you don't have to go pick up another book to be able to find the answer to a question. Um, I also was given an ESV study Bible as a gift, uh, senior year, uh, for like, like a graduation gift. Um, the, 
the pastor of our church kind of gave everybody that. Um, and, and that, at that point, like I had, that was the, the version that he preached from. That was the, what the pew Bibles were at, at the church. Um, they were ESV. So I was, I was really familiar with ESV. I just didn't have like my own copy. And then from that point on, I, I was, I was ESV only for, for a couple years, I don't know, two or three years. And then, um, I, and then in 2015, I got this NASB and that was like my, my first sort of exposure to the NASB was, was when I was given this as a gift. And then I've just kind of used it ever since. Um, and I really, really love this NASB that I have. It's a wide, you know, I can kind of show you, um, Jensen, but it's like, it's wide margin. Um, so there's lots of space. It's just like plain two column text, uh, but it, but it's really wide margins for like note taking kind of, um, and annotating. And it's been really helpful. Like there are a couple books that like, they're super marked up from like a sermon series. Um, and, and I could just every week, like take notes in the Bible that I was following along with. Like, it was just, it's just a really, I really like that. To, the, the wide margin thing is just super helpful. Um, and it kind of like, like, kind of like with you, like the more I learned, I was kind of just, almost by default, I don't remember anybody ever telling me this, I kind of fell into this idea that the, the more literal something is, therefore, the more accurate it is, like, like, what, what I, what I thought was literal equals what I thought was accurate kind of thing. And I'm definitely far less convinced of that now <laughs> than I was back in the day. But I, I feel like that kind of matches the trajectory I've taken of, you know, and NIV, which is you know, just a little easier to read, a little bit more readable over, you know, quote unquote, literalness. And then ESV, which is, you know, at least in theory, supposed to be, you know, super literal, that kind of thing. And then NASB, which I, I don't really even know if this is true. But like, I, I just, I think it's, it's reputation is, is a, a translation that is especially literal a translation that is that makes an effort to really be um, grammatically close to the original languages as much insofar as that's possible. Um, one thing that I do like um, with the with the NASB, at least this one that I have, is it they're very clear with with like I'm saying they italicize words that aren't in the Greek or the Hebrew um, to so like to 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 clarify what I mean by that if you if you've never seen that or heard of that. Um, if you look at, at my NASB, there are just, there are words that are in italics all over the place. Um, and so for example, John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. So it hated at the end there is in italics. And what that means is that if you were to translate the Greek sentence there, word for word, and then arrange it in English in a way that makes sense. It would say, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before you. Like the it hated is added in in English because in English, it's more clear if you say before it hated you than if you just say before you, right? So it's not that they're adding things to <laughs> the meaning of scripture. It's not that they're adding verses, but I just mean as, as, as you translate, you add in like helping verbs or clarifying things and they make it clear by doing that. They, um, another thing is uh, the way Greek verbs work and the way that English verbs work are, are different. So a lot of times in the gospels, there'll be a little asterisk next to verbs where it says like, um, you know, I just flipped back. So uh, John eight, three, the scribes and the Pharisees brought with a little asterisk, a woman caught in adultery and having set her in the center of the court, which is in italics of the court, uh, they uh, said asterisks to him. The reason there's the asterisks is in Greek, those are in the present tense. So if I were to, to do that, the, the scribes and the Pharisees bring a woman caught in adultery and having set her in the center of the court, they say to him, so on and so forth. That's not how we write stories in English. In English, we use the past tense because that's just the way that we write prose narrative that have happened in the past is, is we we use past so like that's a that's a translation thing it 
John is not saying that this is happening right now when he writes in the present <laughs> tense in Greek, obviously. And so it's just like, it's, it would be more challenging to read for English speakers. And it's not more faithful to the meaning to say bring instead of brought in that context. Um, so those are, those are some like sort of side points just around like, you know, and, and I've, I've, I feel like I've mentioned NASB to people and sometimes they're like a little surprised or they've never read it or, or they think like, oh, why do you like the NASB? And at this point, like I've used it, like I said, daily for, well, you know, not daily, but my goal is daily. <laughs> um, primarily. Primarily. <laughs> like I've, I've used it for, for on my birthday, a week from today, it will be, it will be five years since I got this Bible. Um, and so when I like recall verse, like my Bible brain is kind of in NASB now because it's just been so long, even though <laughs> whenever I bring the NASB, wherever I go, I'm the only one who has it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm bringing it to a small group, like, like no church I've ever been in has ever preached from the NASB. Um, as far as I know, no sermon I've ever heard has come from it, uh, at least that that I was aware of. Um, so like, it's always kind of interesting whenever someone's reading in church, I'm following along and it's different, you know, um, because it, I just, I don't use the ESV anymore. I don't have, like I have one, but I don't, I don't have one that I carry around. I don't have one that I rely on. So, um, but, but to bring it back then to, to the KJV, it's obviously very different, um, with the traditional language and some just like vocabulary that's archaic to us. Um, but I just, I, I, I felt like jumping to the, to the KJV is a good way to shake things up the most, you know? Um, and well, and you enter into like a stream of like, this is, it's obviously not the Bible that Jesus had, uh, but it's the Bible that a lot of people had. Like you're, you're sharing in a tradition that is what four, 400 and 500, however many years old, like 1611 was, I guess, 410 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're sharing, I mean, like Spurgeon had KJV, you know, um, your favorite Anglicans helped draft the KJV. So like (laughs) you're, you are, it's, it's, there's some, there is something very cool about the King James version, which is why it still has a legacy to this day. Oh yeah. Um, and the other, the other reason I wanted a KJV is the, um, I don't have my copy yet, but I am getting one, but the IVP just released, Mm-hmm. Um, the the international the, the 1662 Book of Common Prayer International Edition. So I thought it would be w- once I get it, uh, I, I'm going to start using that for my personal morning prayer devotion time, um, praying morning prayer personally out of that instead of the 2019. Just to just to to because I've never used the 1662, and that is the you know it's still the prayer book of the Church of England. So I'm excited to do that, and so I thought it would be fun to start praying morning prayer from the 1662 and and doing the readings from the KJV and to kind of like be in my own modern way, you know, like transplanting myself to the, to the 1600s. <laughs> um, but that's just a, that's just a silly little, like that, that's not like a major motivation for getting or not getting the KJV. It's just something fun that I'm planning on doing once I get my copy of the new prayer book. But the last thing I kind of wanted to, to just mention um, is like, I'm really excited about using the KJV for daily reading and I'm going to bring it to church tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to pray the offices out of it. I'm going to, you know, I, I, I went to evening prayer with a group last night and I read out of this, you know, like I'm really excited about that. But if somebody asked me, if like, someone was a new Christian and they asked me, what Bible should I get? Like, I wouldn't send them a KJV. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because most people do not speak the way that people did 400 years ago in English. And more importantly, most people do not read things that are written in that way of of speaking English very often anymore. Um, That's not the way people speak and write anymore, which means... For, you know, the average person on the street who reads and writes and speaks English fluently, the KJV is is more difficult to understand, not because it's a bad translation or it's wrong in what it is saying, 
translation wise, but because it's written in a way that is old, like you said, like, that's it. It's just, it's not unreadable because it's hard. It's unreadable. Well, it's not unreadable, but it's not, it's not less readable for people because it's hard to understand. It's less readable because language has changed since this translation was written. So someone who's never read the Bible before, who doesn't like spend all day reading Shakespeare, <laughs> um, <laughs> they're just they're just not going to benefit from the KJV as much as they would benefit from from something else like the NIV or the CSB or, or or you know whatever it might be. So like that's that's a big consideration. I I am someone who is has been blessed with the opportunity to be educated and who has been blessed with the opportunity uh, and the privilege of getting to read the Bible in my own time by myself for years, you know, like, like my whole life it's been available and close to a decade is I, I've been actually doing it, you know, um, which means I, I can deal with some weird vocabulary and some old fashioned uh, sentence structure and these and thous because I, I have a basic understanding of what's going on already because I've read the Bible before. I've been reading the Bible. Um, so that, that, that doesn't pose as much of an obstacle to me, not because I'm smarter, not because I'm special, not because I even read Shakespeare, <laughs> just because um, I'm, I, like I've said in the beginning, I'm very familiar with most of the biblical texts, which makes it easy for me to gloss over things, but it's a lot harder to gloss over things <laughs> when I have to reread a sentence because it's using vocabulary I've never heard before and I have to figure out what's happening, you know? And, um, that's not for everyone and it shouldn't be for everyone. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, there's no reason that everyone should use the KJV. I think it's, it, there's a reason it stood the test of time as a piece of literature and, and as it, like the influence on the English language and all that stuff. But for daily use, like, like for, for the average person who just wants to read the Bible and they never have before something like the CSB or the NIV, something that's aimed at being, colloquial and readable um, in order to communicate the, the gospel message is, is clearly going to be better. And so all of that to say, try different translations and find one you like, you know, like I, I really like the NASB. I, I don't know that everybody does. I'm not a big fan of the ESV anymore, but I used to be. So like, just like I said earlier, we're so blessed with so many options. Take advantage of it, you know, and all of yeah. these can be, and more can be accessed for free in like Bible apps and Bible websites. So you don't even have to invest in four Bibles to know which translation you like the feel of that makes sense to you. You know, like you, you can kind of like experiment a little bit online and then be like, Oh, I really like the NIV. Let me go buy an NIV that I can have with me and carry and, and, you know, have on my nightstand, all that kind of stuff. Like um, everyone's going to be different because they've, they're, they have different, backgrounds and interests and reading levels and just interest in reading and um, everything's going to click a little bit differently for everyone. And, and, and I think that it would be, if you are, you know, I, I don't know how many people in this situation are listening to this, but if you're like, man, I don't know what Bible translation to get, or I don't know what next Bible translation to get. Um, if you haven't thought of it, just try reading, you know, a book, pick a book of the Bible and just read it in like three or four different translations and just see which one you know, flows the best or, or is the clearest or whatever you're kind of looking for. Um, I think it would be, that would be a good way to kind of go about it because like I hope has been clear, they're all different and they're, and, and they all have different things that they're doing and, 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 uh, different ways that they come together in the final package. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's the Bible in English. <laughs> so, right. You can't really well, maybe this wrong. is the best. <laughs> this is the best way to end. We're gonna we're gonna ask a question. I'm gonna ask you a question, and if you want to turn around and ask me, that's fine. If you are going to suggest one Bible translation to somebody who's never read the Bible before, which translation would you give them? I would probably say NIV, because of the translations that I'm familiar with, it is, I believe, the most just easy, readable, modern English. However, I believe if I, if I spend some time with the CSB, my answer might change to CSB. I just, mm. 
I, I feel weird saying CSB without knowing it as well as NIV. So while I'm not a big fan of the NIV anymore for my own use, I think that its readability is just going to be above and beyond the ESV or the NASB or the other ones that I am most familiar with. So that's probably what I would say. Um, but what about you? What would you say? I would I would certainly say CSB. I gifted a number of people CSB Bibles. I gave seniors a small copy of the CSB. I purchased CSB um, like pew Bibles for sun, uh, for Sunday school and youth group so students could like follow along. So I'm a big fan. That's my easy answer. Nice. Nice. Well, um, hopefully this wasn't a complete waste of your time. It wasn't, it was not of mine. So I, I hope that you enjoyed listening. And, and uh, before we close out, um, I'm just going to pray a brief collect um, from the Book of Common Prayer uh, about Holy Scripture. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your Holy Word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, please hit us up on Twitter uh, and Instagram at Doxology Podcast, or you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We always welcome your feedback, questions, episode ideas. Let us know your favorite Bible translation. Send us your favorite uh, on on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Make sure you sign up for our newsletter. Um, At the end of the day, we just want to hear from you. We hope you have a good day. Peace.